Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about pandemics in ancient Rome and the Han Dynasty. Before we start, another word of shameless self-promotion. Go to Amazon.com or wherever you prefer to shop for books and search for my book, From the Wall to the Water, available for pre-order now. It's a history-oriented travel log that recounts my trip several years ago from China to Europe via the ancient Silk Road in the footsteps of an ancient Chinese explorer. That title again, From the Wall to the Water. Thank you for your support. Okay, so last time we talked about the role that climate change played in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Courtesy of Professor Kyle Harper's book on the subject, we talked about how the late Roman Republic through the height of the Roman Empire into the age of the Antonines coincided with the period of unusual warmth, sometimes called the Roman climate optimum. Then we talked about how the history of Rome neatly paralleled that of Han Dynasty China from its founding at the end of the 3rd century BC to its collapse into the Three Kingdoms era in the early 3rd century AD. And that parallel political history seemed to have been partly due to parallel climate change. The Chinese scientist, Professor Zhu Kezhen, demonstrated through a combination of historical texts and modern science that China also went through a period of unusual warming that began even before the rise of the Han Dynasty, but ended shortly before the collapse of that political order. Well, today we're going to focus on the other subject in Professor Harper's book, the other great factor that is substantially beyond human control, but that has shaped human history. And the other subject, other than climate change, that people nowadays can't stop talking about in the age of COVID and monkeypox. Today, we're going to talk about the happy topic of epidemic or even pandemic diseases. Today, we're going to talk about plagues. And let's again begin with the Roman Empire. Three major pandemic events helped to determine the fate of Rome. The Antonine Plague from 165 to 180 AD, the Plague of Cyprian from about 249 to 262 AD, and the Plague of Justinian from 541 to 549. Although it is difficult 
to determine with certainty the disease agents that caused the pandemics of centuries ago. Between the testimonies of ancient authorities such as the famed physician Galen and modern science, we can fairly confidently conclude that the Antonine Plague was most likely smallpox. The plague of Cyprian was, horrifyingly, likely some form of viral hemorrhagic fever, like Ebola. And the plague of Justinian was caused by Yersinia pestis, the same bacterium that led to the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages, the Black Death. Each of these three major plagues had a profound impact on Roman history. The Romans traditionally, if obviously falsely, attributed the cause of the Antonine Plague to the desecration in 166 AD by the Roman army of a temple of Apollo in Seleucia or Seleucia. Apollo, you see, was traditionally considered the god of plagues. In Homer's Iliad, Apollo shot arrows of disease at the Greek army besieging Troy, leading to many Greeks falling ill and dying. However it started, the Antonine Plague went on to kill many Romans. But how many? Historians disagree wildly about this. The lowest estimates of the fatality of the Antonine Plague is 2% of the population, or about one and a half million. The Roman population at the start of the reign of Marcus Aurelius was about 75 million. Although even a 2% death rate would be much higher than COVID today, in the ancient world that would not have been all that impressive. The highest estimate, on the other hand, puts the figure at 33% of the Roman population or 25 million. Professor Harper takes a middle-of-the-road approach. Let's say the true figure is somewhere in between. But even supposing that the Antonine Plague killed only 15 million Romans, that would have meant that the Roman population reverted back to what it was in the time of Augustus, wiping out 150 years of population growth. And the long-term consequence of the Antonine Plague was a weakening of the Roman Empire, contributing to the end of the Antonine Era and the difficulties of the 3rd century. The Plague of Cyprian was even worse. Although Septimius Severus restored a dynastic empire in the early 3rd century, after the plague of Cyprian in the second half of that century, the Roman Empire was simply not what it used to be. Manpower shortage became a persistent problem. The Roman army, in particular, struggled to recruit sufficient numbers of soldiers. 
And Rome, after the plague of Cyprian, wasn't just weaker and lesser. It was fundamentally organized differently than the empire of Augustus and Marcus Aurelius and even Septimius Severus had been. In fact, Roman history very nearly ended with the plague of Cyprian. As Professor Harper puts it, in the wake of the plague, the structural integrity of the imperial machine burst apart. The frontier system crumbled. The collapse of legitimacy invited one usurper after another to try for the throne. The empire fragmented, and only the dramatic success of later emperors in putting the pieces back together prevented this moment from being the final act of Roman imperial history. Finally, the plague of Justinian struck the Eastern Roman Empire, what we now retrospectively call the Byzantine Empire, at a critical moment when Emperor Justinian was trying to reconquer Italy. The plague again weakened Byzantium dramatically so that ultimately all of Justinian's successes, all of his general Belisarius' successes in retaking the lost Western Empire proved ephemeral. Okay, so much for Rome. In our previous episode, we talked about how climate change in China paralleled that in the Roman Empire and contributed to the fall of the Han Dynasty. Well, what do you know? There is also a neat parallel when it comes to diseases. Right around the time when the Antonine Plague ravaged Rome, a pandemic plague also struck Han Dynasty China. In fact, although I am not aware of scholarship confirming this, I have to wonder if the Chinese pandemic was also smallpox. Sources from the time attest to bloody spots, which I suppose could simply mean red spots on the bodies of the victims, one of the symptoms of smallpox. And if it was smallpox, I have to wonder whether the Chinese plague and the Roman one had a shared origin somewhere. But that's speculation. What we know for sure is that the final decades of the Han Dynasty were badly marked by plagues. Imperial annals attest to major infectious disease outbreaks in 151 AD, 161, 169, 171, 173, 179, 182, and 185. Keep in mind that the imperial annals would really only take note of truly major exceptional disease events, not the regular diarrheas and seasonal respiratory illnesses born of pre-modern nutritional and hygienic conditions. That 
final pandemic, beginning in 184 AD and reported in 185, would prove to be the beginning of the end of the Han Dynasty. How? Let's go once more to the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, that great 14th century novel which recounts, dramatizes the events from the late 2nd century until the late 3rd century that led to the collapse of the Han Dynasty and the establishment of the denouement of the, the Three Kingdoms era begins with the Yellow Turban Rebellion. That millenarian religious movement, or a militarized cult, you might say, began in 184 AD when hundreds of thousands of believers gathered around a man named Zhang Jiao. Now, this Zhang Jiao was a disappointed scholar who had tried and failed in the imperial civil service examinations. One day, so the story goes, he went into the mountains to gather herbs. And he ran into a strange old man with blue eyes. The old man gave him a magical text in three volumes, which then conferred upon Zhang Jiao magical powers, allegedly. With his two brothers by his side, and with hundreds of thousands of believers in his magic, Zhang Jiao in 184 AD decided that he ought to become emperor. He and his followers declared that the years that God had allotted to the Han Dynasty had come to an end, and that it was time for them to establish a new government. They attacked Han government positions and took over multiple provinces and came to be known as the Yellow Turbans because they wore such an item of clothing to identify themselves. It was in response to the Yellow Turbans that the Han Imperial Court authorized local authorities or even private citizens who were patriotic for the empire to raise militias to help to put down the rebellion. But of course, once the court gave away that authority, there was no way to take it back. Like the German sociologist Max Weber said, a state has to monopolize the legitimate use of violence. If it announces that it no longer claims a monopoly, then it signs its own death warrant. And the various warlords that arose in the wake of this democratization of war led to the chaotic civil wars of the Three Kingdoms era. But how did Zhang Jiao attract so many followers in the first place? What was this magic that he supposedly possessed? Well, in fact, as the romance tells us very clearly, 
in January of the first year of Zhongping, in other words, 184 AD, a plague ravaged the land. Zhang Jiao cast spells and distributed holy water to treat the sick. In this connection, perhaps a comparison between the yellow turbans and Christianity is not altogether invalid. During the plague of Cyprian, Christians in the Roman Empire set an example of charity and caring for the sick. Indeed, the person that the plague is named after, Cyprian, was a bishop who gave numerous sermons at the time about the plague that remain the source of much of our information about it. In the wake of the plague of Cyprian, Christianity gained many more adherents, setting the stage for its triumph during the reign of Emperor Constantine. Anyway, that was how Zhang Jiao won widespread support by offering quack cures for a pandemic. In contemporary terms, he might be one of those obloviators on the internet or cable television, telling people, without the confidence of a confidence man, that they had a secret cure to COVID, somehow gaining millions of followers and then calling for a march on Congress or Parliament. But of course, these truly were quack cures. Zhang Jiao himself actually contracted and died of the plague in just October of 184, literally only months after beginning his rebellion. But in any event, without the plague beginning in 184, 185, there never would have been a figure like Zhang Zhao. Never a yellow turban rebellion, and the Han dynasty might have lasted much longer. And Apollo's arrows were not yet done with the Chinese of this era. Another famous episode from the Romance of the Three Kingdoms is the Battle of Red Cliff, which occurred in 208 AD. Famously, the southern warlords, with stratagems provided by the brilliant Zhuge Liang, tricked the northern warlord Cao Cao into linking up all of his ships. Then they simply set fire to them. But, historical sources tell us, another factor in the outcome of this key battle was that a plague ravaged the northern camps. Zhuge Liang might have been brilliant, yes, but in this instance, he was also aided by microbial allies. And still we're not done. In 217 AD, yet another pandemic swept across northern China. There was a group of seven major literary figures at the time, collectively known as the Seven Scholars of the Jian'an Era. Of the seven, four 
died of this plague. The son of the northern warlord Cao Cao, the acclaimed poet Cao Zhi, wrote at this time that almost every household had someone die of this plague, and in some cases, entire households or even entire clans died out. Zhang Zhongjing, a famous doctor at this time, as Galen was in the Roman Empire of Marcus Aurelius, wrote in the preface of his medical treatise that two thirds of his own clan, which once numbered some two hundred individuals, died during the plague years. If these numbers are to be believed, then the plague of two seventeen. In terms of its impact, is perhaps better compared to the plague of Cyprian. In the end, the Three Kingdoms era ended with northern victory and the establishment of the Qing Dynasty. But just as the Antonine Plague weakened the Roman Empire on the eve of the crisis of the third century, just as The plague of Cyprian emptied entire Roman towns in the later third century and put Rome on the path to inexorable decline. Just as the plague of Justinian made the Byzantine Empire unable to hold on to its reconquered territories, so it was surely the case that the great pandemics in the third century. Dramatically weakened China, so that it was unable to withstand ensuing external challenges. Notably, census figures in 156 A.D. recorded the population of the Han Empire to be over 56 million. Census figures from 280 A.D. During the reign of Emperor Wu Di of the Jing Dynasty, showed only sixteen million inhabitants in China. Okay, in fairness, scholars believe that the census procedures in two eighty might have led to an undercount of the population, and China's true population at the time was probably about thirty five million. Even so. From fifty-six million down to thirty-five million is quite a drop. And invasion by nomadic peoples from Inner Asia soon roiled China again. In the early fourth century, the Western Jing Dynasty was simply not equipped to resist the flood of invaders from abroad. It fell. With apocalyptic violence and savagery, in 316 A.D., the Eastern Jing, a rump state of the previous empire, was only able to persist in southern China. Not entirely unlike the Eastern Roman Empire persisting after the collapse of the West, and so. As was the case in our previous episode on climate change, 
we find another parallel between the Roman Empire and China. The so-called great men of history did what they did against the backdrop of vast impersonal forces. Climate, yes, but also infectious diseases. And arguably, it was these impersonal forces far more than the policies or actions of emperors and chancellors and generals that shaped the course of history and all that was yet to come. We are merely playthings of the gods, which is to say, we are merely playthings of the germs. This has been MODG. Thank you for listening.